0: Ministry, the work or vocation of a minister of religion. When we think of ministry, we often think of pastors and worship leaders. But that's just icing on the cake. True ministry happens outside of the four walls we call church. True ministry happens when we create genuine relationships with those around us. Yes, God can use you to do great things within the church, but we have to remember that ministry doesn't stop there. It is only the beginning. Our current situation can be our greatest mission field. In this week's episode, Cody uses his experience as both a pastor and a business owner to show what true ministry looks like. If you're wanting to know how to use your workplace as an opportunity to minister to those around you, stay tuned.
1: This is The Reckless Pursuit, a podcast crafted and created to dive deep into what it looks like to be a follower of Christ in a modern day world. We span topics across the board to seek out truth and to gain a deeper understanding of one another, to find common ground and answers to life's hardest questions.
0: We all have a story and a struggle, a calling and a conviction. Together, let's take a hard look at ourselves and effort to view what others see so we can be the best reflection of Christ possible. I'm Cody. And I'm Elaine.
1: Now, let's get reckless. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 32. Today, Elaine and I are going to be talking about something, kind of a carryover from last week's episode with Molly, uh, but it's a little more of our circumstance and how we feel about true ministry and what that really looks like in maybe the marketplace versus in a church. And before we get into that, I just want to give everyone a quick reminder that we do, in fact, have a place where the conversation keeps on going especially if you're there to help it along, and that is The Reckless Community. It's our private Facebook group, and we invite you to join. The details are below, so scroll down there, swipe down there, get down there, find that link in the episode details, and ask to be a part because we want to hear what you have to say. Also, if you haven't done so so far and you enjoy what you hear, maybe this is your first episode, maybe you don't know if you enjoy us yet, that's okay. But if you've been listening and you want to keep up to date when we have a new episode come out on Monday mornings, go up there and hit that subscribe button. It helps us out a ton, it keeps us in contact with you, and we greatly appreciate it. So we're going to dive right into today's episode about true ministry. Here it comes. So Elaine, do you know what the very first occupation in the Bible is? I don't. Think what about it. it. All the way back in Genesis, what's the very first occupation? And it's not make babies. That's not the first.
0: Okay, I was going to say populate. (laughs) No, not that one. Be a disciple. No. I don't know.
1: (laughs) God told Adam to go and name all the plants and animals and to maintain the earth. So I guess you would say the very first job was a gardener. Just thought you might want to know that.
0: Okay, thanks.
1: That's why the snake was, you know. In the garden? Yeah, in the garden. You find snakes in gardens. Adam and Eve were gardeners.
0: Don't you normally kill snakes?
1: Well, if I were in the garden, maybe (laughs) things would be different. (laughs) Probably
0: not. Probably not. Probably worse. (laughs) Thanks. I'm talking about me, too. (laughs) I would have sinned a long time ago. You haven't yet? Nope.
1: Okay. (laughs) Not yet.
0: (laughs) But I probably will before this episode's over. (laughs)
1: Okay. Good to know. Guys, today we're talking about uh, marketplace. We're talking about ministry, what that really looks like. Uh, I've had the joy and not so much joy of serving uh, in a church. And it's it's both uh, full time, on staff, every Christian's dream working in a church. And I am also actively a part of Marketplace Ministry, which is basically the Christianese term for working a job, because, um, you know, we're supposed to make disciples of all nations go, you know, the Great Commission. So. Like I said. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today, because there is a interesting stigma in a lot of Christian circles where people think ministry happens behind a pulpit. And honestly, that is just such a small percentage of what ministry is. And uh, you know, churches um are not where the ministry happens, honestly, you know. It's just it's it's not where it all goes down. And uh there's just so much more to it.
0: I think ministry starts at church, but it's definitely not where like you end up doing ministry, most of the ministry.
1: Yeah, I would say ministry happens where you do church. I wouldn't necessarily say a church building. I would say maybe listening to this podcast is church for someone. I would say you know church being a diversity of thing where two or more gathered in my name, there I am. And so I would say that you know we're having church right now, and I would say this is ministry, even if it's just ministering to you and I. Elaine, or maybe hopefully just someone else on the other end, listening to this later. Um, So ministry happens there, and it's definitely the inspiration that kickstarts us to help us get the the momentum going to continue ministry outside. Uh, But what is ministry, for one? Let's talk about that a little bit first. Um, Well, even first before that, before we get into what is ministry, let's talk a little bit about... I, you care if I share just a little bit about my history? That's fine. Okay. So I uh, I worked a job since I was 14. You know, I've worked um, pretty much at the ballpark where we still work at since I was 14. Uh, I did a little bit of everything, worked a lot of different places in the ballpark, some side stuff for him, doing photography, videography as I got older, Uh but pretty much from 14 to 19, I worked at the ballpark. That's what I did all through high school. Uh, cooking food, serving people uh, that are having picnics. And when I say picnics, I mean like three or 400 people deep for picnics. So cooked for you know, thousands of people. At the baseball park. Right. Yeah, at the, yeah, at the baseball park. Um, cooked for all the like private suites and stuff like that. Did some video and, and worked for them and stuff like that. Uh, worked on the field a little bit, the ground crew a little bit when I was younger. Because that's what my my dad does, and so, um, but yeah, I pretty much grew up working a normal everyday job. And whenever I turned 19, I began an internship for the church that I worked at for quite a few years, and I ended up becoming their worship pastor. Well, I was actually their worship pastor when I started the internship. I was already doing that just as kind of a just a thing I did on Sunday mornings, and I. Continued working for them. I was a youth pastor for three
0: years, I believe. Was three, it? three and a half. Three and a
1: half years, somewhere in there. Um, It was over three years. Right at it or a little over. And uh, worked in the offices, managed day-to-day tasks. I was still the worship pastor. Uh, took on some other pastoral roles as well within the church um, unofficially. You know, hospital visits, stuff like that. Just that wasn't my primary stuff. But I did a little bit of everything. Um, preached Sunday mornings, led services, you know, with the help of some friends, you know, we pretty much did a lot. And I had that dream job that a lot of Christians look up to. as was like, oh, well, you were in true ministry. You actually got to work for a church and, and be in real ministry. And let me just tell you a little something about working in churches. It is spiritually, much more taxing, much, much more taxing than working a normal job. And I know that sounds crazy because you're like, oh, well, you're working with a bunch of pastors and blah, blah, blah. No, pastors are, they're people. And they have their issues and their quirks just like everyone else.
0: Well, and I'm sure you have to deal with them being, one, your pastor and then your boss. and yeah, like, that's hard. That adds a whole extra strain.
1: Sure, it's super hard. And because... You know, as people, we compartmentalize things. We compartmentalize people. You know, this person to me right now is pastor, but then you have to try to be able to view them in another light as boss to get things done. And it's—I'm not even trying to beef with them. It's—it's it's a hard balance because to tie your career and your faith together so closely, you can place the wrong um, ideal or standard on one situation. And you can receive it as an attack on the other. So for instance, uh, you could be in a position where you may have done something wrong or there needs to be something done on the work side of things, but you can inadvertently take that as a hit against a spiritual view because this is a spiritual authority in your life and you can take that as a hit directly at your spirit and it can cause some issues with your faith. You can be strong in your faith, and this is still going to happen if you work at a church. At some point, you're going to take this as a shot toward your faith, toward your uh, your your being, your spirit. And it's a very hard thing to to compartmentalize work at church versus spiritual at church, because whenever your job is to lead people spiritually, you know all those different things, where it be money. Uh, mentorship, spiritual, physical, practical, all those things get wound together in one soup. And you have to be able to try to pick apart uh, all these different things that are kind of thrown in the pot to cook together. And in a way, they all kind of season each other a little bit, and it can be very dangerous.
0: Well, and I think you have probably experienced a little on the other side of things, where you being a youth pastor and also being the boss at work of some of your former students or even current students in some situations.
1: Yeah. I mean, because what we do now, of course we own a small business. Uh, we cook corn dogs for a living outside of doing this. That's one of our summertime gigs. And, uh, it's, uh, it's interesting because we do, we have the the privilege of giving uh, opportunity for some of those students to be able to make some extra cash in the summer. And it's really nice. Like, I I love being able to do that, but definitely, especially when I was their youth pastor, you know, whenever I had youth students working there, it was was hard to distinguish, and I'm sure they even felt some of that pressure because I was their pastor, but I was also their boss, and I expected something from them at work that I didn't have to expect from them when they were students. When they were students, they came as they are. When they're at work, there is a structure and a demand, and so that— separation, there's a lot of church hurt that comes from the failure to distinguish one compartment to the next. And now there's church hurt that comes from a lot of things, and I'm not saying that's everything, but as, I guess, like, as Christians, uh, we have to be careful about where we put those emphases, and we have to make sure that we're spiritually sound, I guess, in those circumstances and try to keep ourselves clear of that. Now, there is another side of that. There is the side where people can actually turn that into spiritual abuse, and that does happen. Um, and I've had that happen whenever I was a teenager, actually, uh, where I was volunteering and was told I was to be seen, not heard, while I played my instrument on stage. And, you know, that's a... Um, I was a volunteer doing a work, a service for the church, uh, but it was also directly tied to my faith and part of my identity being a musician, being the music is my passion. And to hear that was a direct shot at my faith. What they saw as a practicality to keep youth happy was a direct shot at my faith, and it wounded me very deeply. And so sometimes people can very much abuse um that authority the natural authority and put it as a spiritual attack and that's something you have to be cautious for but most circumstances i think honestly a lot of times it's just honest mistakes where you're volunteering for the coffee bar and one person is a little more uh domineering or micromanaging uh than you are and you do things one way and they want it done a very specific way. And because you're you have to bear the the weight of that or the blunt of that, you end up, you know, feeling spiritually hurt. And the truth is, a lot of ministry, most of ministry isn't even behind those church walls to begin with. And I think it's important for us, and if you're listening to this, maybe you don't struggle with this, and that's fine. But I know there's a lot of people who do, so bear with us as we kind of address this first. It's very important to realize that working for a church is not ministry. Yes, people get up there and preach a message. People get up there and lead and worship. But the truth is that Bible already has everything listed. You know, the Bible lists five different ministries, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Nowhere in there is preacher. Preacher is kind of a made up thing. You know, it's kind of a mix of a teacher and a pastor. If you ask me, like, you cram pastor and teacher together, what do you get? Preacher. It's really, like, literally a joining of those two words. And uh, a lot of times we kind of cram two jobs into one because the church board doesn't want to pay money out to hire both of those, you know, or maybe, you know, uh, that's just, I don't know, there's a lot of different reasons. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being two different parts of ministry or anything like that. But our modern interpretation of pastor is really more teacher-pastor combination, because a teacher is someone who teaches. That's what you do on Sunday morning. It's behind a pulpit teaching. It's one job. It's a unique position in the church. And you have pastor, which is someone who comforts and leads. You think of, you know, a shepherd, uh, which, you know, that's the derivative. Pastor is talking about shepherding. And you have someone who encourages, protects, and leads the congregation, the flock. And so pastoring someone is to be an encouraging ear, to be a, to be a guide or a mentor, to be um, someone who helps to steer people toward Christ. Teacher is someone who teaches them about the Word of God, but they're very different jobs, very different jobs in the Bible. And like I said, we just kind of cram them together as preacher, and we just idolize these people and put them on on these huge, you know, uh, we put them up on a pedestal. I'm sure you've heard that talked about plenty of times, but it's true. We put people up on a pedestal to, or I guess because we see them as this authoritative figure and we kind of take away their humanity. You know, Joel Osteen is a human. Joyce Meyer is a human. They're just like you or I and sure, you're like, well, God gave them all of these big platforms. Well, yes, but how much of their marketing team are you not putting into account of that? How much, you know, like I'm saying, like they started somewhere, sure, but they have good business sense, too, to get to where they're at. Is there anything wrong with where they're at? I'm not dissing them. I'm not, you know, knocking them. If they're teaching crap doctrine, and they're just, and I'm not trying to get into Joel Osteen or Joyce Meyer's doctrine, that's not the point of this, but Um, If someone's teaching crap doctrine and using God for their own, you know, propaganda, yes, that's garbage. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with getting the word out there. That's what a podcast is, is getting the word out there. You know, of course, we want people to hear what we're doing. Uh, We're not doing this just to sit here by ourselves and talk. Like, we want people to hear. We want to hear you. And that's the beauty of it. But we just got to quit putting people on a pedestal. We've got to quit... looking at church as the end-all be-all thing, you know, we've got to quit trying to view church as the ultimate answer, because that's not even where the heart of ministry is at.
0: And something that I've always heard was your workplace, your school, whatever situation that you're currently in is your biggest mission field at the time. And a lot of times whenever I was at college, or even whenever I used to work retail, you know, those were my mission fields, the people that I came across in my classrooms, and the people, my coworkers, the people that came in at the stores, like it was my job to sell clothes, but it was also my job to be relational. And um, especially with my coworkers and classmates, if I noticed somebody was going through a hard time, like it was my job spiritually to go up to them and talk to them and minister to them and see how they're doing and talk to them about what's going on in their lives and the things that they're struggling with and stuff. And, like, I wasn't in a church doing that. Like, I was just doing day-to-day activities and saw people, you know, hurting around me or even, like, celebrating their successes and stuff. I saw the people around me and knew that at that time and place – that's who God was leading me to go talk to or pray over or hang out with.
1: Yeah. There's this bad, really, I mean, this gets under my skin, like nobody's business. And, uh, it's just really bad philosophy or ideology that we have adopted in, I guess, like quote unquote, like modern, like Western church is if we can just get them in the door, we can get them saved. And, I'm sure if you're in any charismatic circle, probably not even just charismatic circles, but being that's what I primarily grew up in, you've heard that before. If we can just get them in the door, we can get them to experience God. If we can get them in the door, they'll the Holy Spirit will touch them. Well, the Holy Spirit don't give a crap about your box.
0: God and, can meet you anywhere you're at.
1: <laughs> and, you know, it's not the church's job to save people. And this is a point, like, if I can drive this home, it is not. If you are a, like, pastor of a church, or if you're a church in general, you go to a church— It is not your church's job to bring people to Christ. I'm just saying, it's not their job. They have no, that is not their calling. Go to the Bible, read Acts. What is the great commission? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go, 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 go. It is not sit, 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 sit. It is not bring, it is not grab, drag, kicking and screaming. It's go. So what would happen? They would go, they would make disciples, then those disciples would create a church, which is a group of believers. It doesn't have to look like the big flashy things we call now. It was a group of believers. A lot of them met on a porch called Solomon's porch, uh, which was literally outside of the temple. They just sat around outside, you know. Uh, They would go and they would gather. Some of them then were in house churches, Some of them were in bigger buildings, some of them were outside of the temples, Uh, they had different places, some of them built buildings, we ended up, you know, creating buildings as the church grew, but it was a group of believers that came together that had like mind to learn more about Christ, but they weren't being saved, that wasn't the thing. They didn't go there to get saved. Sure, people can get saved in church, people can go to church and get saved. It's happened, that's awesome, celebrate it, fantastic. But it's not your church's job to save people. And let's let's, let's uh, look at this, and this is going, we're kind of touching on, like, what is ministry now? Like, we're kind of in that, that wing of things here. What is ministry? Honestly, ministry is you going out and you touching people. Well, how do you touch people if you're selling clothes? Um, we're going to go from a business perspective or an entrepreneurial perspective here. It takes seven touches to convert someone. I'm talking like sales leads here, like sales funnels, magnets, all that crap. Like, we're not even talking religion for a let Let's just put all the Christianity stuff on the background. Uh, It takes seven unique touches to convert someone from an onlooker to a follower. Okay? Think social media, all you people with social media. It takes seven unique touches. When you go and like someone's page, do you see one photo and instantly like them? If you don't know them, probably not. It takes seven unique touches. That's the magic number, seven. Now, sure, it happens. There's sometimes more, sometimes less. We're averaging out here. That's the average is sometimes you may see someone on YouTube, which leads you to their Instagram, and then you're going to see a few different photos on their Instagram. You may end up on their website, and sooner or later, you may end up buying their product because you've started following them so much. This may be a week, a month, a year, 10 years process. But sooner or later, that is how market funnel marketing works, okay? Now, I know I'm poking in a weird area here. I'm about to convert uh, that to Christianity, but this is—we're talking more marketplace stuff here, so there is a strategy to it. You think about Christianity, it takes seven unique touches for someone to realize that love of Christ. I mean, honestly, yes, God can just smack them down and show them the love of Christ, but Christianity doesn't have a good rap right now. There's a lot of people with, you know, a lot of hurt from Christianity. And so you have to look at it the same way of like, we need to touch these people's lives in seven unique, different ways. It is not um, your job, if you're working at a boutique, to run up to them and shove Jesus down their throat. But it is your job to love them and to care about their day and to show Christ through your actions, through your behavior, through your mannerisms, those kind of things. That's Showing the love of Christ.
0: Being genuine.
1: Yeah. And then it's going to take other people to do the same. It's going to take everyone in their sphere of influence to influence someone. And honestly, that's where true ministry happens. Sooner or later, the opportunity is going to come for you, where that person has uh, their heart softened, and you're going to be able to talk to them in a true and authentic way and show them the love of Christ, the real love of Christ, not just the church tract, Uh, here's my uh, my one-two knockout punch of getting... Um, Jesus in your heart. And now you say the sinner's prayer and hallelujah. And now come to church with me on Sunday. Get plugged in. Run the coffee bar. Work sound every other week and um, spend the rest of your life tithing. Like that's not the that's not the goal here. The goal here is authentic communication with people, and authentic communication starts with every one of us. If you think about it, there's so many more people outside of the church than inside of the church. So if you're expecting them to come inside of the church to get touched, you're wasting your time. Because honestly, where church is right now, it's not functioning great either. It has its problems. It's full of people. You know, people have problems. There's already people in there that are trying to deal and cope. And it looks ugly, especially from the outside. I'm sure it looks very ugly because it's a bunch of people that are trying to deal with their drama instead of bury it, hopefully. There's definitely a lot of them that are not dealing. They're just bearing. But anyway, the, po- the point is to try to deal with your things and to try to pursue, you know, more Christ-like behavior. And like I said, whether it's a house church or a coffee shop church or a big church down the road with a pointy steeple, like, the ultimate goal is to bring people closer to Christ. But that starts outside. And so, of course, God needs more people. Jesus, the message of Jesus, needs more people outside the walls than inside the walls. And so often, the walls really just box us in and keep us from pursuing Christ. Anyway, we can limit the Holy Spirit to those those walls. And I say all that to say, I've done both. You know, I've had the opportunity to do both. And a lot of times, it's easy to look at ministry as what's going on behind the walls of a church. And as someone who's worked behind those walls, I can tell you that's not where ministry happens. That can wear you out. It can bog you down. It's important, sure. Absolutely. I think that ministry, I think the role of a teacher is extremely important. I think learning more about Christ is extremely important. I also think that it's a broken system and true ministry is one-to-one true ministry happens outside of that setting. True ministry happens every single day around us. And that's what we've got to pursue more so than looking at titles and pulpits. Something else I want to address is a lot of times I think Christians view money and having to work as a shameful process you know, uh, we view it as, well, if I'm not doing this full-time or that full-time, you know, like if I'm having to just work a normal job, can that be ministry? Sometimes we feel discouraged. And the truth is, we have to work to live. If you go in throughout the Bible, uh, let's just read a few of these. Uh, right here, Second Thessalonians 3.10, for even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. 1 Timothy 5.8 But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Genesis 2.15 We were talking about this one earlier. This is what we opened up with. The Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. 1 Thessalonians 4.11-12 And to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. What? Really? I thought we were supposed to be loud and obnoxious for Jesus to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business and work with your hands, work with your hands, just as we commanded you so that you will behave properly toward outsiders and not be in any need. Think about that. Put that into perspective. How many times do you hear nowadays, I don't want to go to church because they just want my money. Think about that. They just want my money. I've heard it a a lot. Elaine, have you heard that? Mm
0: -hmm, Absolutely. Especially people like in college settings.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, young adult settings, millennials. Ooh, millennials, such a bad word. I'm a millennial. Oh, well. Uh, I mean, it literally says right here, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, not live, to lead a quiet life. You lead by your actions less than your words. Attend to your own business as in like, Don't be a gossip. Don't try to butt in everyone else's business. Work with your hands, as in do something, so that you will behave properly toward outsiders and not be in any need. So you're not uh, positioning yourself as a needy Christian, but a giving Christian. And not giving just, and this isn't like against tithe and offering. I'm not trying, that's not what I'm preaching here. That's not what we're trying to get at. But what I'm saying is, you're coming as someone who is not in need, but is offering something greater, and that's just. It goes on and on and on. Proverbs is full of it. Uh, Proverbs twelve twenty seven: A lazy man does not uh, roast his prey, but the precious possession of a man is his diligence. You know. Proverbs twenty two twenty nine: Do you see a man skilled in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. So I mean, it talks over and over and over about the importance. Even going. As far as uh, into the New Testament and Acts, uh, going back to the book about the birth of the church, talking about Paul, the man who wrote the majority of the New Testament, saying this, uh, let see, we're in uh, Acts 18, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordained all Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker, as they were, he stayed and worked with them. And every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. Get this, Paul went to church on the weekends and held a job down throughout the week. Why? Why would Paul do that? It all points right back to that verse we just talked about in 1 Thessalonians, to lead a quiet life, to attend to his business and work with his hands so that he can behave properly toward outsiders and not be in any need. He did it so he wasn't a burden, but could still offer something to those who didn't know. And that's just what we're trying to get at here is it's not shameful to work. It's not shameful to have to make a living, to have to pay bills. You don't have to look around and be like, you know, ashamed of your home or your car payment. I mean, yes, be a good steward with your money, of course. Don't get caught up in loving money. You know, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. There's no shame in in what you're, in, in, in working. There's no shame in putting your hand to something to make a living And you might just do a lot of ministry along the way that you don't even realize.
0: I like how you pointed out how it shouldn't be like shameful of where you work and stuff because you can do ministry there and God can use you. And I know a lot of times people look down on people who even work at McDonald's and Mm -hmm. fast food places and or janitorial staff and cafeteria workers and a lot of people look down on those people who have those jobs, but at least they have those jobs. Like God can use even the simplest, smallest thing. You know, someone who is super friendly and super happy and, you know, just loves people could be the greatest cashier at McDonald's. Mm -hmm. You know, they can make people feel Welcomed and special, and janitorial staff in schools, and like always saying hi to the kids and teachers that pass by, or the cafeteria workers you know, always smiling at the kids while they're giving them their food and the other people that they're working with at the kitchen and stuff. Like, God can use that, that shouldn't be shameful. You know, there is still ministry to be used in that area, absolutely. And I think a lot of people, not only look down on those positions, but look over those positions, and they don't think that God could work in those places, but sometimes I can bet that those are the best places where ministry can happen.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of times uh, something else kind of in that same vein is people look at their environment, their work environment, and this happened a lot in, like, when I worked in church, so I can, like, vouch that this does happen, they look at their work environment and it seems very hostile. It seems very dark. The work environment they're in just doesn't seem like a life-giving place. And while yes, like you don't have to work anywhere that's hurting you to that's you know, you don't have to put yourself through hell working any job. Like we're not called to suffer in in like at the hand of someone else who's just trying to make life miserable a lot of times what causes those dark places is a bunch of people who are hurting. And I know so many times we would have people come and just like, Oh man, we wish we could just work in the church. So we didn't have to deal with this and this and this that's going on in my job. Uh, Because if I could just work here and uh, I've had family members even tell me this, if I could just work at the church, then I wouldn't have to, uh, to worry about my faith. My faith would be so strong. Like I wish I had the freedom to work at a church so my faith could just be strong like yours. And that is the biggest, boldest lie of the enemy. Because let me tell you something. My faith as a Christian, uh, my belief in God was never challenged as much as the day I started working for church. I struggled as a Christian at times working for church. Struggled, I completely would quit praying at times. You had It was a fight to keep my faith. Because you're around it so much, you, you become immune, and it all becomes work. And it's a lie. Sure, I get that. It's not the truth. But everything that's spiritual becomes just manual labor. And you that separation, that compartmentalization, it all bleeds together. Like I was saying, it all starts to season each other, and it becomes dull. And I would have to have these moments of intervention in my faith where I would have to just get alone with God and get my crap back together. And let me tell you, it's so much easier to be a Christian working a secular job than it ever was working in a church because when you tie something that close to your faith, it's hard. And we've got to quit viewing ourselves as like we're in dark areas when we're called to be light in dark. We're called to be a light in a dark place. We should almost rejoice. It's kind of like Paul said, I rejoice in my persecution. Well, Most of us probably aren't being persecuted in our faith at our job, but we should count it all joy that we can be a light in the darkness, in a dark place. And I know that sounds really spiritual or whatever, but I mean, it's biblical. It's in the Bible. Like, it's the truth, you know? And that's what I'm saying is, like, ministry happens more so outside the walls of the church. And I feel like the Word of God would be so much more healthy and alive and have such a better impact if we would quit viewing church as the end-all be-all Uh, butts in the seats as the end-all be-all and just start viewing authentic relationships with other people centered on Christ as the end-all be-all. Guys, we want to hear from you. We want to hear about your work environment. We want to hear about your church stories, your work stories, about uh, what it's been like if you've worked at a church, what it's like working a secular job, how you can be... um, a positive influence for Christ that very thing the Great Commission anywhere you go we want to hear your encouraging stories and we want to encourage you so drop us a line head over to that uh, community group we were talking about earlier the Reckless Community the link's below send us an email a voicemail uh, just say hi all those features are available on therecklesspursuit.com that's where you can also get our weekly blog posts that come out every Wednesday but we want to hear from you and we challenge you to open up and share your experience. Guys, we love you all. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Thank you so much if you're currently a subscriber or you're even thinking about it. And we look forward to hearing more from you. And as always,
0: be brave, be bold, and be reckless. We'll we'll talk talk soon.
1: soon. like a skink.